I'm going to read uh, just a, a short gospel reading from the Gospel of Luke uh, to begin our time. And it's about um, Jesus when, just after he was born. And he's, uh, he's brought to the temple. Uh, his parents bring him there to fulfill some of the, the Jewish law uh, requirements for newborn boys. And it's painful, but we won't go into that. It's uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 21. It says, on the eighth day when it was time, oh, I guess we are going to talk about it. <laughs> when it was time to circumcise him, uh, he, he was named Jesus. And the name the angel had given him before he had conceived. And when the time of their purification according to the law of Moses had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. And this is what I want to talk about with now, there was a man in Jerusalem, and his name was Simeon. He was righteous, and he was devout. And he was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went to the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took Jesus in his arms. And he praised God, and this is what he said. He said, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared in the sight of all people. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them. And said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And a sword, Mary, will pierce your own soul too. I want to talk this morning a little bit about what do you see. And I want to begin by... um, I think many of you hopefully like uh, Christmas carols. So let's see if you can uh, join me in this. What's the next line? Said the night wind to the little lamb. Do you see what I see? Very good. Okay. What's the next one? Way up in the sky, little lamb. Do you see what I see? Very good. (laughs) <laughs> this morning I want to talk about, hopefully that's a little bit of a hook there to remind you, um, about what, what do we see and about seeing properly in particular in our life situations and in our relationships. And um, I don't know about you, but I know in my family life, I don't always get the vision thing quite correct. And uh, a couple of examples. One, you know, with my boys... Uh, I know that nothing like this happens in your home, but one boy will become crying to mom and dad, and um, and they're really upset. And my first response is to say, well, I don't want to say a name, but <laughs> perhaps the older boy, older boy, <laughs> Joshua, my first response is like, get over here. What have you done? You know, go up to your room, something like that. And, and I just assume... That because Ethan's crying, Joshua must have done something wrong. It must be his fault. 
But I think oftentimes, for many of us as parents, we, if we actually begin to not just respond, but unpack a little bit what happened, it's probably a 50-50. It might be leaning one way or the other, but it's, it's pretty much the same, right? <laughs> Another example was uh, this week, I was sharing with this with a few friends this week, that um, I, uh, I had a six-month course that I finished most of the writing in 10 days, these last 10 days, uh, up until last, last Wednesday. And, uh, and I have a lot of graceful people around me, my colleagues as well as my, uh, my wife and children around me to enable me to do that. But uh, as I was writing, I was getting into the groove, and I've, I struggled with this course a lot. So I was like really pleased that I was like, I can get this done, I can get this done. And, and so uh, I have a little 8x8 eight eight cubicle in our house. It's my office. And, uh, and we call, I affectionately call it the hole. So I'm going back into the hole. Um, and as I, but as I'm in there, I'm just, I'm, I'm, it's, it's good. And life is actually really good, you know. I, I stop, I eat, I go back, you know. I stop, go to work, but come back. But I'm in this groove, and, and I thought, man, everything's going really well. And I finished it on Wednesday, and I'm on top of the world. And, because uh, I finally got this thing done. And then uh, on Thursday, uh, life happens. And, uh, and all the things that had been kind of neglected by me, either around the house or maybe neglected relationally, came to the surface. So <laughs> my family had, had graciously kind of kept them under, under wraps until then. But then I, and I began to realize, so here I was, I was on top of the world, and I finished my paper, and everything's good. And, uh, but really, and, I've, and that, that's my perception, right? That's, that's what I see. But the reality is, is that I've neglected, in many ways, my responsibilities around the house and my re- responsibilities relationally. And so it was a bit of a wake-up call. I, thankfully, I was able to have a little bit of fun with it, be able to laugh at myself a little bit, even though we had to work from some things out as a family. So what do we see? When you see, uh, when you see this, a prisoner behind bars... What's the first thought that comes to your mind? And when you see this, you see a professional person all dressed up, everything's hunky-dory. What are your thoughts about what's going on for her? Because what Audrey was reading this morning, I think, is really important. That uh, Isaiah speaks about who Jesus is and what he's going to be uh, for us. And uh, you know what, Leoba, can I borrow your Bible? Yeah. Thank you, because the one I brought didn't, doesn't have a, uh, an Old Testament. But in Isaiah 6, it talks about who Jesus is for us and how he sees things. And I just, I love what we read there. Sorry, in Isaiah chapter 11 where it says that the Spirit of God will rest upon Jesus, because it is talking about Jesus, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And I like this. His delight is in the fear of the Lord. And how does he, how does he judge? He says, He shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek. Of the earth, Jesus sees beyond our initial reactions, our initial responses to how we might perceive one another. And I, I just love this passage as I was looking at it this week for that reason. And I think you know we oftentimes see things. I mean, these are just simple examples of the business person or the prisoner. And um, 
but uh, I think we all experience it in everyday life. I know when I worked in one of the local mills here, and uh, I remember, you know, either on the on the green chain pulling lumber, or sometimes in the lunchroom, and some of the guys would just begin to talk about some of their colleagues and in really judgmental ways. In particular, it was, it was a race, some racist remarks about some of the East Indians that were living here and working here. Just comments about the way that they lived. That, uh, you know, like, they're so strange because they all, like, they lived with multi-generations all in one house. You know, they're not like us. So they begin to put them down. They perceive them, they perceive that as wrong just because it's different. They say, you know, it'd be just really good if they just went back to their country because they're taking our jobs. Just stuff like that. It's just it's amazing to me that sometimes we don't think that that stuff exists, but it's still there. And we perceive people wrongly. I think uh, another one that was really surprising to me was, I, remember, I still remember several years ago uh, when I was working with Young Life. And I was talking to a Christian, respected doctor. It wasn't John, so don't worry about John. Um, but a respected doctor and just talking about uh, some of the kids that we were working with from a specific ethnic group again and saying, you know, it's just hopeless. Like, why, why even bother uh, reaching out to them? It's not going to make any difference. There's this perception that they don't see who they are as created in the image of God. They just see hopeless. We, um, on Friday, we went out with some of the youth uh, to, to a couple different homes to, to do some decorating and to... To, to share some good Christmas cheer. And uh, at the second home, it was very close, to, was right across the street from where I live. And at the time that we kind of pulled up there, there was uh, some people that were just really, really drunk and uh, started yelling at us for no reason. Uh, we didn't do anything wrong. I think one of the kids was piggybacking another and facing in his direction, and so he just had to drop a couple F-bombs and, and yell and scream at us. You know, and uh, and I... I just was reflecting on this afterwards. Uh, my initial response was like, am I ever glad I don't live here anymore? I don't have to deal with that anymore. Where I live is pretty quiet. But as I thought about it, I thought, at the same time, you know, I'm not sure that that's actually a good response. Because I'm just, I'm thinking, I don't want to deal with you. You are an issue. <laughs> you are a disturbance. I'm looking at you with wrong eyes. I confess that to you. I think, um, I mean, just another one that I think that I see quite often, and, uh, and I'm not sure how we can respond as a community to it, but um, on Third Avenue, many of us will see as we drive up and down Third, um, either downtown or even on Lower Third Avenue, uh, there's some girls that just hang out on the corners. Excuse me. It's awful. And, uh, and I wonder what many of us think. I, I would hope that, and I believe actually, that we would see something different in them. But I wonder how many guys, you know, I, because I lived in that neighborhood, I, I remember being at 7-Eleven for, uh, for my candy. <laughs> I got a sweet tooth. And uh, I remember I was walking away with my Slurpee, and, and one of those girls that we see was just getting dropped off. It was a, she walked away and the guy just went in to get his coffee. It's heartbreaking. Because we just see her as something to be used. Not somebody who's beautiful and loved by God. Jesus 
uh, sees past those things. He sees with righteousness and justice. And, uh, and I like what he sees. He sees the, the good in them. And I think what Jesus wants us to see is that, that we are all made in his image. But he wants to see uh, also himself in the life of one another. That in, um, in, in Matthew 25, Jesus says, you know, when, when he came and I, I was hungry and he gave me some food, I was thirsty and he gave me something to drink, I was in prison and he visited me, I was working the street and he saw me with different eyes and he treated me with respect. Jesus wants us to, to see who we are created in God's image, but also to see him in one another. And how does he do it? I believe he does it in these first two verses. Isaiah tells us that the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, of counsel and of might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And, um, you know, we talk uh, much about the spiritual disciplines that we're taking part in as a church family. Uh, we talk about soaking prayer and uh, some of the teaching times and things like that. And, um, you know, I just want to say that it's, it's a model for uh, the early church. We're trying to follow that model of what, what happened back then so that we can see with right eyes. Because here's, here's what happened in the early church. It says um, the, the, the new Christians continued to steadfastly uh, listen to the apostles' teaching. They hung out together in fellowship. In the breaking of bread and in prayer. And, and fear and wonder came upon all the people. Because many signs and wonders were done through those apostles. And all the people that believed they had everything in common. And they sold their possessions and their goods. And they divided them among everyone. Each as they had need. And, and so they continued daily to meet in the temple. And to break bread again. To, to share meals in houses. And they ate food with gladness and simplicity of heart and they praised God all the time and they ended up having favor with all the people so I just want to encourage us as if we want to be able to see as God sees and to let that go deeper and deeper into who we are to allow the spirit of God come on us individually but also corporately as we meet together here. So I want to show a brief clip from the Chronicles of Narnia and it's the second movie and uh, the Pevensies, the, the children and the, the key characters in the movie have returned for a second time to this mysterious world of Narnia and when they return what they last saw was a world that was alive to Aslan and Aslan is a, is a Christ figure in the movie. He's, he's God and so what they've seen in the past is they've seen this world that is, that is clearly um, living and alive to Aslan. And a world in harmony. It's, it's a world where plants and animals and human life is communicating with one another. And we'll see a little bit about that here. And living as one another. It's, it's the world that Isaiah saw in, uh, in chapter 11. So let's uh, take a look at that now.
saw in, um, in the Isaiah passage is um, animals that would generally be against each other in our, in our world, right? The bear lies down with the lamb, the, the leopard lies down with the, the baby cow. What do they call those cows? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm fishing a little bit here, so processing out loud. But but he sees a world that is is what what um, what the Pevensies had had seen previously. They saw Isaiah sees a world under God that is at harmony and at peace, and uh, where these things don't. And it's a it's a picture of the future. But I think we all know that um, the present, what we live in, isn't like that. You know, there's some harmony, but it's not here in fullness. I remember John was speaking last week about an experience he had with uh, some business partners where he went to a lawyer and justice. And it just, you know, justice is sort of here, but it's not here in fullness. That was his experience. And I think we all experience that in different ways. People hurt us and disappoint us, and, and we hurt other people and disappoint other people. That's, that's the world that we live in. So, uh, the Pevensey has got a, a real wake-up call to that, that things aren't the way they, they know that they're supposed to be because they've experienced it before. And I think um, we have to, therefore, use judgment. We have to be able to respond appropriately to the, to the brokenness and to the sinfulness that's around us. Uh, just as uh, the little fella in, in the story there where he responded appropriately, Unfortunately, this meant, meant death in that regard. But God, I believe, wants us to be able to judge and judge properly. I, as I read it, God doesn't ever say, don't judge. And we're going to look at Matthew 7, where he does say, don't judge. But uh, what he continues to say, I believe, says that we actually have to exercise right judgment. So, and in order to be able to, to do that, we need to be able to see correctly. And so I'd like for us just to look at four things about uh, judgment, right and proper. Now, the first place that we have to begin is with ourselves. And I think Lynn's testimony, in some, to some degree, talks about this. 
I want to read two passages, verses from Galatians chapter 6, just very briefly. If anybody thinks that he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. It says, each one should test his own actions, and then he can take pride in himself without comparing to other people. For each person should carry their own load. And then the, the scripture that I was referring to when Jesus, when Jesus says this, he says, don't judge or you too will be judged. So, and I think oftentimes we stop there and we just say we're not supposed to make any judgments whatsoever. But Jesus goes on to say this. He says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own? You hypocrite. First, okay, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you will be see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. It's a two-stage process. And I think Jesus is saying, don't judge just unequivocally. And don't just think that you've got it all together. And that you've got the judgment perfect. Start with yourself. And as you remove those things in yourself that, that would prevent you from judging rightly, then you can actually do the surgery, help somebody else. So I think the first thing is to, to start uh, with ourselves. The second thing is, is to judge compassionately. Jesus meets this young fellow. He's, uh, he's pretty rich. thinks he's uh, pretty good in God's eyes. Here's what he says. He says, as Jesus started on his way, this, this man ran up to him and says, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, well, why do you call me good? And no one is good except God alone. But, okay, here's what you got to do. You know the commandments. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't give false testimony. Don't defraud other people. Honor your father and mother. And so the young man said, he declared, Teacher, all these I have kept since I was a boy. And Jesus knew differently. (laughs) He knows what's going on for the young man. But here's... But Mark says, Jesus, how he responded. Jesus looked at the young man and he loved him. One thing you lack, he said, that's a judgment. Go sell everything that you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. And at this the man's face fell and he went away sad because he had great wealth. He couldn't do it. But I like what Jesus is doing there. That he's He's looking at him with compassion and love. And yet he still makes the right judgment. One thing you lack. You're not yet complete. When we were praying this morning, uh, Ken was praying, and, and I think it was, in many ways, just this scripture from Psalm 103, where it says, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in love. He will not always accuse nor will he harbor his anger forever. And I think that verse is important again because it's, what it's saying is that, you know what? God does sometimes accuse. He just doesn't do it always. God actually does sometimes get angry about things. But he doesn't harbor it forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is the love of God for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him.
because he knows how we're formed. He knows we're made of dust. He knows we're incomplete. I think Jesus would also ask us to, to judge redemptively. And what I mean by that is, is if we were to make a judgment, what, the question to ask is, what's our motivation? Why are we making this judgment? Is it because of something that's happened to me or is it because of something that God desires to do in them and that we have to be able to speak it out? Because, you know, like Jesus does say to people, oh, you know what, you're lost. Just like sheep that have gone astray and you need to be found. And the cool thing about Jesus is that so he names it and he says, you're so lost, but I'm coming to get you. Right? He's personally involved. Jesus says, uh, you are blind. You don't actually see perfectly. You think you do, but you don't. But the great thing about Jesus is that he's in the business of helping blind people be healed. And he does that actively. He gets involved. And so I think right judgment includes a continuing care for the individual where we can make the judgment, but we come alongside them for the solution. We don't just abandon them and just kind of throw something at it and leave it with them. So finally, I think the last thing is is that we need to judge with humility. Uh, None of us sees clearly because we're all broken people. We're all sinful people. I think think it was John a few weeks ago that was reading from Mark chapter 8. And it's this miracle of Jesus with a blind man. And it says this, it says, they, uh, Jesus and his disciples came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him outside of the village. And when he had spit on the man's eyes and put hands on him, Jesus said, Do you see anything? And he looked up and he said, I see people, but they kind of look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes, and then his eyes were opened, and his his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. I think we're a lot like that man. I think that in many ways we are people who have been touched by Jesus, and so we begin to see clearly. We begin to see things differently, and that's actually very cool. When you begin to, I remember when I first became a Christian and, uh, and I was living in Victoria with some guys in a house and you get six single guys, I don't know, lots of negative things can happen. <laughs> you start going down a path that maybe is not too godly. And that's what I was part of. And so I was part of the bar scene, uh, looking at girls in a very wrong way. Anyways, I won't go there beyond that. But... One of the cool things was is when, when I surrendered my life to Jesus, and it was because I was so broken, I was so sick, I thought I was going to die. But God had mercy on me. But there was something that actually happened in my heart that was like, you know what, I just don't want to go anymore. I just don't want to go to the bar anymore. <laughs> no, I, sorry. I, this, is how, this is how crazy I was, right? Like When I was going to the bars, and I, I'd be like, I'd be drinking and like, I'd be attracted to this girl, and I'd be thinking, you know what, Jesus, you know, I'll, I'll witness to her. <laughs> I'll buy her a beer and I'll witness to her. 
And I don't want, you know what, I don't want to witness your, there's, something, there's other things I want to get involved in, right? But I have this stupid, I don't know why this is coming out. But anyways, <laughs> but I have this stupid, stupid conversation, right? Going on in my head. But I guess here's where it's going, right? Things changed for me, didn't they? <laughs> they did. Really, they did. <laughs> and I began to see things differently where I didn't want to just, uh, you know, to live that way and to see people in that light. Hallelujah. <laughs> I definitely needed a second touch, let's put it that way. And, uh, you know, I think on Wednesday we were talking, Bev actually mentioned, we were reading out of 1 Corinthians, I think it was, first or second. But we were talking about having the mind of Christ, and Bev was like, I love the idea that we have the mind of Christ. And uh, But one of the things that we said is that we have, we're always in this tension, right, where we have the mind of Christ, but Paul also says, uh, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Oh, okay, so we, we kind of have it, but we don't have it in fullness. Right? Thank you, Leoba. It's a, we know what's good, but we don't always do it. We know that God heals today, but it doesn't always happen, or maybe it's a progressive healing, as Norma was saying in her testimony. We know that justice is what God wants, and the evil and Yet we experience evil, pain, and injustice. And I, um, I want to pick up on something that John shared a few weeks ago because it was just a really helpful picture for me. And I'm sure uh, he said it many times, but it really clicked for me. Was we're in this place of already, not yet. And, and John talked about uh, two transparencies. Uh, back in the day before we had PowerPoint, we had those plastic transparencies and teachers or whatever, or even just for music, we would write on them, right, and then project them onto the wall. And John used the picture of, of, of the two kingdoms in this world, the already not yet, the kingdom of God and, and the kingdoms of this earth. When you kind of put them across from each other, that's, that's, that's what life is like. And for me, it was just like, yeah, it totally makes sense because you've got this mixture of, of writing on a transparency. And when you put two on top of the other, what happens? And I, So I wanted to pick up on that and just kind of show uh, through some slides. So we've got the kingdom of God in heaven, and sometimes we'd like to think that they're totally separate and totally clear, but we know that they're not. The kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of earth on this earth are are together, and so what happens is it starts to look mumbo-jumbo. We kind of see the kingdom, but we kind of don't. So we see, just as we were talking about, we have the mind of Christ, but yet we're called to renew our minds. We know what's good, but we don't do it fully, etc. And so we've got this mix-up again. We've got to got it. But one of the great things is that God doesn't just leave us with this mumbo jumbo. As in Isaiah chapter 11, we begin to have the Spirit of Christ in us. And what begins to happen is that some of the things of this life begin to fade. And so when that happens, the kingdom of God becomes more and more clear. And the things that God is calling us to, we we can begin to see it. But I didn't want to bring it all the way to clarity because that's not going to happen in this life. There's always going to be that shadow that lies behind, and yet God is calling us into the newness of life. And for me, that's a really helpful thing, and so I'm stealing it from John, but I think it's a good reminder that this is what church is. And, and church's life together is always going to be this. And I think it's, um, you could say, man, that's really disappointing, because I want it to be perfect. <laughs> but then it's really comforting at the same time, because we know it's not going to be perfect. And I think if we go in with that view, if we see clearly that concept, I think it it allows us to be graceful with one another. 
I don't know how many of you go to the church website, but one of the things on the church website is a set of values. And even though it's the last value in that set of values, it's actually, I think, one of the very uh, ones that we really want to esteem as a community. And it's just labeled incomplete. And I would actually like for us to say this together because I think whether you've read it or not or whether you own it or not, I think it's something that we do need to own together as a community. Because when we do that, we can see rightly and we can be gracious with one another. So let's do that together. So incomplete. On the Jericho Road, we embrace a humility of attitude, heart, and spirit that anticipates that we are incomplete as individuals as a community, and in our understanding and living out of the Christian faith. We are therefore committed to encourage questioning, reflection, and openness, spirit, and to each other as we continue to journey together. All that we ask of one another is for a deep value and respect between each other where our underlying friendship and mutual support is of more value then there are different ideas, most of which will not be worth dying for. <laughs> I like that last line. <laughs> so what do you see? Jesus once said this. He said, The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body is going to be full of light. But if your eyes are bad... Your life is going to be full of darkness. I think Jesus is speaking in a particular context where he's talking about money. And I think basically he's saying, you know, if you value certain things, uh, if the things you value are dark, it's going to, your whole life's going to be dark. But if you value the things that are, are good and right, your life is going to be uh, full of light. And I think, just in closing that, I think this uh, cuts in two ways. If our eyes are bad, we're going to be blind to the judgments that actually do need to be made. We avoid seeing things as they are. Because as we've just said together, everything is incomplete. So there are injustices that go on in our lives. And and sin is a part of who we are as Christians. We need to be able to see clearly and to act on those things that are wrong. We need to, and we need each other to be able to do that in a way that is both uh, making good judgment and also responding uh, in a healthy and, and helpful ways. And I think the other thing is is that if our eyes are bad, we're blind to the good that God sees. We're blind to who we are created in the image of God as we talked about before and who God is making us to be. Brandon. That's right. Would you mind coming up here? And uh, maybe Brad. Yeah, I'm going to get you up here. You can keep that on, actually. That's fine. Yeah, you can keep that on. That's helpful. How does, uh, how does God see us? Oh, you're not small enough. You're too big. But uh, anyways, work with me on this little illustration. Uh, I know it's really hard to believe, but uh, but Brandon... Sometimes offends people. <laughs> I know it's hard to believe because everything that I've seen is really good. And I mean that, actually. But Brandon is every person, okay? Let's just say that. 
And as we've talked about this morning, Brandon is going to be complete. I'm going to be complete. And so he's going to offend. But when the, when the father sees Brandon, what does he see? The Bible says that there is one mediator between God and man. That's right. That's right. It's Jesus. So Brad, lucky you. You get to be Jesus. <laughs> right? But uh, just standing in front. We're going into communion. What does the Father see? Right? He's, thank you. He sees His Son. And it was, it's my hope and my prayer that, that each of us would be able to see uh, two things. That God is in Brandon. And Brandon is created in His image. And yet in His fallenness, fallenness that we see Jesus as our mediator. And in all of our conversations, in everything that we do, that we would see Christ between us. That he would be our mediator, that he would help us to be able to relate to one another. And so that uh, in the places that we do see clearly, we can funnel that through Jesus. And where we don't see it clearly, that also gets funneled through Jesus. That in his grace and his mercy... When our judgments are wrong, he takes that. And when our judgments are right, they go through him to the other person. That's what we're going to celebrate in communion together. Thank you, guys. Let's, let's just pray. Father, we, uh, we thank you for the vision of the future that you have for each one of us. It's a future where the lion lies down with the lamb where children can play just beside the, the hole of, of a cobra and not, uh, not be afraid because there is so much peace, so much good. It's perfection. It's the way that you intended the world. And we confess yet, Jesus, that, that we don't see that in fullness yet, but we desire to live towards it and we desire to see things as you see them. Father, I pray that by your Holy Spirit, as your Spirit worked and lived in Jesus so that he could make uh, true and right judgments about everybody and yet do it in a way that was compassionate, in a way that saw who uh, you desired each person to be and tried to call them out uh, to that. Father, may that same Spirit live in us more and more. May we be filled with you more and more in such a way that we would be able to, to see rightly, to see as you see, and therefore to live as you live. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.